Our gospel this lesson is from St. Luke chapter 16. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've been around Heritage here for a while, or at least for the last two plus years that I have been preaching here at Heritage, you have not heard a single sermon about money until today. And there's good reason for that. There's good reason why you don't come you know, every week or even every month and, and hear some sort of sermon about money. Because you know, just like I do, there are a lot of other churches out there who do that. I mean, unfortunately, some of the Christian church has gotten that reputation of, you're just out for my money. You just care about what's in my pocketbook. And that's just not true. That's not what the church is about or should be about. But the bigger reason why you don't hear me talking about money all the time here from the front is, is because it's not me telling you to give that's going to get you to give. Actually, it could. Right? You might be guilted into it, but that's not God-pleasing giving. We don't give because the pastor tells us to, or because the church needs money, which it does, I guess. I mean, we do need money to have lights and air conditioning and, and have a building, of course. But, but we give because of the gospel. What God has done for us through Christ Jesus. 
all of the blessings that he pours out upon us richly and generously every day of our lives, physical, yes, but also spiritually, and the ones that are still waiting, those treasures in heaven that are already ours, that's why we give. And so what do we do as a church? We don't have to preach about money. We get to preach the gospel. And let God's people respond out of hearts of love and thanksgiving for all that your God has done for you. But yet here we are, sermon on money, about our worldly wealth. And again, let me stress this, and you're going to hear it more than once in this sermon. You don't give out of guilt. You give because of the gospel and the good news about what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. But yet, we also believe here that we need to teach and preach the whole counsel of God. And the Bible has a lot to say about money and our use of it and our attitude towards it. And so if it's in the Bible, we need to talk about it. We need to teach it and preach it. And so here's a sermon on our wealth and how we use it and God-pleasing ways and attitudes towards it. And you know, no one in the Bible talks about money more than Jesus. Did you know that? All throughout the Gospels, he has so many warnings about money. Parables he tells. And there's good reason for that, because Jesus knows. He knows how money, how worldly wealth, can be stiff competition to him in our lives, in our hearts. He knows how it can easily become the object of our love and our happiness and our contentment and our safety and our security. And if the Bible has a lot to say about it, and Jesus himself has a lot to say about money, we better listen, shouldn't we? It's good for us to to take a sermon every once in a while and a service every once in a while and, and talk about what does God say about the all of the wealth, all of the blessings that he's entrusted to me, that he's given to me in his grace. What does he have to say about them? Let's listen to the giver of all of these gifts and see what what is a God-pleasing attitude and use of the wealth that he's entrusted to us. And that's what we get to do with this parable of Jesus before us in our gospel lesson from Luke 16. Jesus teaches us what the wealth that he entrusts to us in this life is really all about why we have it and how we are to use it wisely. The parable starts out, the story starts out with this rich man who has a business manager who has been mismanaging his funds. Someone has blown the whistle on him, he's been accused of wasting his possessions, and so the boss calls him in And before he fires him, he's going to fire him, but he says, first I want an accounting. You need to bring me the books, and I need to see what you've been doing with my possessions. And this guy is worried. He's like, you know, he knows he's going to lose his job. He knows no one else is going to hire him because of what happened. He says, "I'm, I'm not strong enough to dig. I can't do manual labor. I'm too proud to beg. So he comes up with an idea. He calls in his master's debtors, and he's going to make some friends. He's going to get some favors. So he says to the first guy, how much do you owe? And he says, I owe 900 gallons of olive oil. He says, slash it in half. No, you only owe 450. That guy would have gone away pretty happy, right? 
and made a new friend. Someone who's got to help him out when, when he's down on his luck. The next guy in line, how much do you owe? I owe a thousand bushels of wheat. Make it 800. Right? And he does this all throughout the books. He slashes the debts that are owed to his master. Dishonest? Yeah. Crooked? Sure. But do you notice? The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. This man saw that, huh, look what this guy did. He had this limited amount of time in his position, and he had this authority in the moment, and he acted wisely. Look what he did, right? He, he commends him for what he did. And Jesus follows it up and says to the people standing there listening to the story, he says, the people of this world are more shrewd or more wise in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. So what does Jesus mean by that? I think he's calling us out. <laughs> us, the people of the light, I think he's saying to us, you know, we're not often as shrewd and wise with what we've been given as sometimes other people out in the world are. And I don't know what it is for you. But Jesus is calling you out here this morning and exposing your mismanagement, your wastefulness. What is it for you? Is it you've gotten caught up in the luxuries of this life? That you don't really need another pair of shoes, but you're going to get another pair of shoes anyways? Or you don't really need a new car, but hey, that's the latest model. I've got to have that. Are you so caught up in, in the leisure and the entertainment and the pleasures of this life that it's taking your focus off of what's really most important? Maybe it's, it's greed. Maybe it's just wanting more and more and more. And what we heard about in Paul's letter to Timothy hit just a little close to home. And it's not, your life has not been about contentment, but it's been about just wanting more and needing more, you think, to be happy. Maybe. Maybe your problem is you've overextended yourself. The mortgage is just too much. The car payment's too high. And you're looking at all of these bills that you've created, you've chosen, and you can't meet the other obligations of your life. You can't help people who are in need. You can't give to the work of your church because you've just overextended yourself. I don't know what it is for you. But if the master called you in and demanded an accounting of your books, what would he find? Would he commend you for being wise or shrewd with what you've been given, or would it be a whole lot of waste and mismanagement? Using it for things that really in the end matter for nothing. That you thought were going to bring you contentment and peace and happiness, but, but in the end you don't, just can't. Right? Jesus is calling us out here this morning. He's, he's making us take a look opening up our books and looking at what, what we've done with, what we've been entrusted with, from him. 
and how we've been using it, what our attitude has been towards it. Because everything we've been given, and it's been given by God, it, it's, it's to be for his glory and for the good of others. But if everyone is real about ourselves and what we've been doing with what we've been entrusted with, probably what we see is a lot of selfishness, a lot of greed, a lot of focus on me instead of the giver and the real reasons that he's given me all these things and entrusted them to me to be a good, faithful manager of them. We need Jesus to call us out here, don't we? Right? We need him to, to pull these things out because the, the world is trying to tell us this is just the way you live. This is what life is all about. But, but don't we need the one who gives us all these blessings to call us to an account once in a while and analyze what we've been doing and how we've been mismanaging? And we need that. We want that. If Jesus didn't do that, he wouldn't really love us. And that's what we hear him doing in this parable. But that's not all Jesus is doing here. Jesus is not just demanding and accounting for everything we've done or haven't done with, with our worldly wealth. You know what he also gets to do here? He gets to showcase his grace. Because this one who speaks these words, this one who comes to us through this word today, is as we said in our confession of sins earlier, is the one who had absolutely everything. Who is God himself with all praise and all glory and all dominion, everything belongs to him, but what, what was he willing to do? To give up everything. Willingly, sacrificially. To come into this world and to live a life of humility and poverty. That he could say in his life that he had nowhere to call his own to lay his head. Nothing to his name whatsoever. Not to show us how we should be content like Jesus was. Not just to show us that you know, we need to be you know, more, more giving like Jesus was. But no, to do it because we don't. To live that perfect life of sacrificial giving. To give all of himself and everything that he was about for us. And to be willing to go all the way to suffering. And death. So that God can look at that death on that cross of that substitute, our Savior Jesus, and say that all of your sins of guilt and or, I'm sorry, all of your sins of greed and selfishness and dishonest gain and, and, and all of the times that you have made money your God rather than the God who gave it to you, when all of the times that you have put your hope in worldly wealth rather than God, they're forgiven, paid for at that cross. So that now, in Christ, in the crucified and risen Christ, for us, we have a new purpose in our life. That my life, I see, is not about seeking after worldly wealth, but it's seeking after the wealth that Jesus gives. That he is my wealth. As we just sang in that beautiful hymn, that he is my joy and my all. That in Jesus I have these riches that nothing in this world can give me. That can truly give me peace and joy and the promise of, of real life right now and, and, and life eternal to come. It's in Jesus that, that I find the truest treasure, the only treasure I really need. And that then impacts how I get to look at the wealth and the treasures that I've been given in this life. They are not the end goal. 
The end goal is Jesus who has already claimed me as his own. The end goal is heaven. Those treasures that are waiting for me there that are already as good as mine. And now in this life, in this temporary life, with all of these temporary gifts that we've been given, we're set free to use them for his glory and for the good of others. Paul wrote to, that, to Timothy in that, in that lesson that we had that we bring nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. And you know that. right? There are no hitches on hearses. You can't take anything with you. Right? Look, at, look at the pyramids in Egypt. Proof positive that everything for this life that you hear stays here. But what if I told you that the worldly wealth that you have here, that you've been entrusted with by God, can have eternal impact? Oh, not that you can take it with you and use it in the afterlife, but, but that it can have blessings beyond this life. Would you be in for that? Would you want to know more about that? Well, Jesus talks about that here at our, after his parable. This is what he says. I says. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This is a place where the translation could be a little better from the original, from the Greek. Because what it really says here in the original Greek is that Jesus says that they will welcome you. These friends will welcome you into eternal dwellings. So what does Jesus mean by that? He says, is saying that we get to use the blessings we've been given here, our time, our abilities, and yes, even our wealth, to make friends who are going to be in heaven with us someday. That will welcome us into heaven. Think about it this way. I don't think it works this way, but maybe it does. When you get to heaven, who do you want to go see and thank and maybe give a hug or a handshake to? Who in your life that shared the gospel with you at some point in your life so that you could be there in heaven, so that you could be enjoying those eternal pleasures, those eternal dwellings through Christ Jesus, your Savior? Right, maybe, maybe it would be a pastor from your youth. That's the first person that, that you heard God's word from every, every Sunday in a sermon. Maybe you'd go up and say, thank you for, for so faithfully bringing God's word to me every single Sunday. And my faith in Jesus grew. And here I am in heaven. Maybe it would be a Sunday school teacher. That you got to sit at the feet of every Sunday and, and listen to them share those Bible stories. And he could say, thank you for so faithfully serving. And I know it wasn't you. I know it was the Holy Spirit working through you. But, but that strengthened my faith. And here I am, friend in heaven. Maybe it'd be a grandparent who, before you could even walk, sat you on their knee and taught you to sing, Jesus loves me. Or, or maybe it would be a, a friend who invited you to come to church sometime. And you heard the gospel for the first time. That you just want to thank them. That they did that. right? That God worked through that. That the Holy Spirit worked through that to, to give you faith, to, to bring you into that, those eternal dwellings. But now think about it the other way. 
Who's going to line up to say thank you to you? For using your time and your abilities and, yes, your wealth here in this world to make friends in heaven. Maybe be someone who doesn't look anything like you. But they come up to you and they say, I know that your church gave towards missions in India so that they could have a missionary there. And that's the first time I get to hear the gospel and hear about my Savior Jesus. I just want to say thank you. You gained yourself a friend in heaven. Or maybe it's uh, someone comes up to you behind them and they say, you know what? We've never met, but I went to your church's soccer camp when I was just a little boy. And that's the first time I heard about Jesus. And I never even came to your church. But the Holy Spirit planted that seed in, of faith in my heart at that camp. And that, has never, that never left me. And here I am in heaven. Thank you, friend. Maybe someone else behind comes up and says, you know what? We've never met. And, but I saw you on my ring doorbell one time. And you hung a Christmas door hanger invitation to your church on my door. And we didn't meet, but, but I came to church on that Christmas. And I heard about the Savior who was born for me and lived for me and died and rose for me. And I never joined your church. I actually ended up joining a different church, but, but that was the first time. And God used that. Thank you for hanging that door hanger invitation on my door. God used that. I'm here, another friend in heaven. Or maybe it's someone who comes up and says, you've never met me. But I saw you. I saw you in church. I'd sneak in the back, and I'd listen to your pastor's sermons, and I would see you and your fellow members sing and praise God and, and gladly and willingly and generously give your offerings. And then I saw that what your church did with that is take that and spread the gospel throughout the community. And I just want to say thank you that you did that. Another friend in heaven. Dear friends, maybe, maybe the line will be a mile long. Or maybe that's not how it works at all. <laughs> but that's what Jesus is talking about here. We're gaining friends who are going to welcome us into the eternal dwellings. The picture is that we get to use the time and the abilities and the, the, all of the resources we've been given here so that more people may know Jesus and have the peace and the hope and the joy that we are so blessed to have. To have the certainty of an eternal life with us and with God forever. And maybe if that is the way it works, if you know, it's people come up and thank you, that probably would make you feel a little uncomfortable at first, right? Because you know it's only by God's grace you're there. You are not there because you gave. You're not there because you hung a door hanger invitation. You're not there because of any of those things you did. You're there because of Jesus and what he did for you and the faith that was given you in him. And you know that anything that you get to do in this life, however big or small it might be, is simply a response to all that God has already done for you, that it is all worship, it's all thanksgiving for all the blessings you have physically and spiritually from him graciously. But how amazing that God entrusts us with these blessings in this life, that we then get to use to bless others, to show the love of Christ. How amazing is that? God calls us into that plan of salvation to, to carry out this part, to be his hands and feet and mouthpiece in the world. 
That's grace upon grace, friends. Friend, we, we have limited time on this earth. We all know that. And yet we are blessed so abundantly. I mean, every one of us has to look at our life and say, I am blessed beyond measure. And so, responding to God's grace. And all that he has done for us, does for us every day, and still promises to us in the future. As God's people, we can't help but say, Lord, help me to use my time and my abilities, and yes, even my worldly wealth for things that really matter. Things that can make an eternal difference. Forgive me for all the times that I've failed. Cleanse me of my sin. Renew my heart. Bring praise and joy to my life so that my life can be one of serving, one of giving, one of using what I've been given shrewdly, wisely. For your glory, God, help me do this. And he will do it. Amen.